this is Thank You Heartbreak. Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Lee Trescott. As a breakup coach, relationship advice columnist, and the founder of Break Upward, Chelsea is passionate about human beings and their stories. She talks to people about their journeys in love, growth, heartbreak, revelations, and every wound and lesson along the way. This podcast shines a light on heartbreak, showing you that the most crushing experiences are also your greatest opportunity to become meaningful, relatable human beings. Now, let's get to the heart of it. Hi, everyone. This is Chelsea Lee Trescott, breakup coach and podcast host of Thank You Heartbreak. And this is episode 104 with Lindsay Mack and Mika Leonard. They're both the founders of Onward, a post-breakup concierge service in New York. They're going to be expanding into other cities, but right now they are based in New York. And basically, they help guide your relocation and life relaunch after a breakup. If you want to skip over this introduction and get right into the conversation, go to somewhere around the 11.30 minute mark. Otherwise, stay with me. And you get to hear about some of the feelings that I'm feeling. Now, I think this service is genius. As I tell them, I remember early in my days as a breakup coach when I was just so manic with ideas, I had this vision of a concierge service and, you know, this one-stop shop for everything after a breakup. I didn't have the balls to do it, and it's always been in the back of my head. And a family friend actually emailed me an article featuring Onward and the two women we are going to be speaking to. And internally, I just felt so crushed. I was like, it's over for me. It's coming to an end. But then I was like, you know what? I have to speak to these women because they're kind of muses to me. Again, you know, I thought of this, but didn't make it happen, and they have. And their idea, their platform, their business has spread like wildfire. I mean, it has been picked up internationally. And so it just goes to show you how relevant this issue is and how burdensome, burdensome, what, how do you even say that word? What a burden it is for people to navigate post-breakup life, especially when their lives are entwined by their home, by their finances, by so many different things. Now, personally, I realized talking to them, you know, I actually can't relate to this. I mean, (laughs) if anyone listens to this podcast and knows anything about me, you probably know that, yeah, Chelsea can't relate to this one because she's been in nothing but long distance relationships, except for a summer when a boyfriend did move in with me three months, guys. So I did have a taste of it, but you know what? I can only imagine I've helped clients navigate whether to move in with someone or not, and also couples that are living together, people that are married that are living together. And this is a big piece, even when they're talking about maybe we should just try to separate, I'll get another home, or I'll get a home in a totally different state. These are questions, and it's definitely a concern that makes people put the brakes on, prevents them from really getting out of a relationship, or it's something that really tempts people people to be like, well, maybe if we just had some time apart, if I lived in a different space, if I was in a home of my own, maybe things would work out. So, you know, there's fear on one end and there's also fantasy on the other. 
That said, you don't have to be living with someone yourself or have this experience to relate to this episode. Again, I've never had this experience, but I really related to this episode. And there's a lot of amazing things that we speak about because one big part about these women's drive is that they realize that it's really hard to approach a breakup and really think through it and understand it and evolve out of it in a positive way if you've kind of filed it away with a bitter ending. And we talk about how bitter endings happen when you stay too long. And again, we can stay too long if we live together and are fearful of like, how are we going to get out? What type of home are we going to have? We have this lease together or we can only pay the rent if we're paying it with someone. So their whole thing really is about helping people get to the other side in a stronger, healthier, more resilient fashion, which they say is great. And how exciting for someone if they could do that with the help of a neutral party that will help them approach and manage the logistics. So their kind of flair really is about helping someone take on this experience with grace integrity and with the ability to really learn from it. And so they see moves moving on, quote unquote, as an empowering experience. What we talk about is that it's very stigmatized in our culture, breakups of any sort, because people see it as a failure and women especially see it as, well, I'm the fixer. How could I have fixed this and prevented it from happening? But what if we stopped thinking of things as failures and we started seeing that the decision, the choice, the empowered choice to break up is really coming from a strong positioning of someone that isn't cowering away and staying out of fear and out of convenience, but is really taking a hold of their life. They're bringing in the right people to even help them take hold of their new life. And they're seeing that this is a really powerful choice for me to not just stay in what's easy and hurting me, but to head out into the unknown and make things happen for myself. I just have to tell you that I kind of relate to this whole unsettling experience of moving because, well, one, I mean, I have lived in about five different cities, maybe a little bit more than that, actually. And it was crippling for me. It was really, really crippling for me, the idea of starting over after a move. Oh, God. And I made some maybe less than wise decisions, though I would take none of them back in terms of my romantic partners because of how fragile I was feeling after a move, how I didn't feel at home. So I looked for relationships to help me be at home with myself. And I was really grasping for them. Then add on top of that, right now, I'm not in my apartment. I'm staying by myself in Brooklyn, even in Brooklyn by myself. I mean, I'm still in New York. It's, I don't know, it kind of feels like jarring for me. I kind of feel like a little bit lost. I mean, this isn't my home. I don't feel at one. I feel like, what am I doing with myself? What do I do? And I, it just, it's weird. It, I, I mean, I get why it's really uncomfortable for people that are living together that have been in love with each other to let go because it's just, it's excruciating. I mean, if it's uncomfortable for me right now, I can't even fathom really how excruciating of a feeling it is. Also, I want to say that I just have to throw this out there that last night I felt like when your heart hurts, it wasn't just because I wasn't in my apartment. It was for other reasons. 
romantic reasons, and I haven't felt that in so long. It's like crazy, guys. If you're listening to this, you really might relate to it. You know when your heart actually just hurts, and it's like, I don't know if it's anxiety that's causing it to hurt, but really it's a script that we're playing over in our head. I say that if we don't know what something means, and obviously, not obviously, but Often what devastates us the most is not understanding why something has occurred, why there's been a shift. And in the absence of a why, in the absence of meaning, we are left to our own devices to put meaning in that gap, thinking that if we place meaning there, we will fill the gap and that will make us feel more whole about a situation, more complete. Like we can put a period at the end of the sentence, even if it's a sentence that we want to go on, dot, 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 that if we place our own logic there, that we can wrap it up in a bow and we can kind of rest easy. And yet this is the struggle. This really is the struggle is how good is your mind? How much clarity do you have? Are you choosing empowering narrative? Are you choosing realistic narratives? Are you coming in and just clouding all your judgment with rejection? Are you being hard on yourself? How are you caring for yourself? All of these things, really, it's our mindset that informs the meaning that we put into things, into situations that we don't yet understand. And often we're in a rush to make sense of things. And based on our mindset, and again, maybe my mind's not so good right now because I'm not at home. I'm kind of in an in-between place. I just feel unsettled. You know, I'm making less than strong um, sense of things. So again, this is another thing for people that are moving or you know, they're in flux is that you have a service like Onward that's going to help you make informed, good, strong decisions for yourself when you're feeling kind of, again, in this fragile position. And then the other part of it is that when you're in a fragile position, physically even, you know, maybe you're not taking that good care of yourself, but also just you don't know where you're going to be yet. There's no end in sight. You don't know what it's going to look like. You have to take care of your mind. You need help, again, out outside understanding and outside perspective that can help you see things clearly because often when you're unsettled, when you're fragile, when you're in the midst of the great unknown, it's hard to think even logically, reasonably, rationally. It's hard to be on your own side and cheer for yourself and root for yourself and help lift yourself up. That's all I'm going to say. Let's get into this episode. Thank you so much for being with me. Thank you so much for listening to this. I'm excited. I mean, this service did not exist up until February, Valentine's Day of this year. That's a big deal. And I think it's going to make a big difference in people's lives so they can see a way forward that helps them leave relationships before they hate the relationship they're in, or even if they're in harm's way, before they are put in harm's way by staying too long. Again, thank you so much for listening and taking all my feelings in. Bye, everyone. So I would love for you to introduce yourselves to my audience. Awesome. Hi, I'm Lindsay Mack, CEO and co-founder of Onward, a post-breakup concierge service. And I'm joined by Mika Leonard, COO and co-founder. Oh my God. So this is the first time, you know, I've had two people on. I feel like we're in couples counseling, but we're not. This is a good story. No issues. 
I can't wait to get no, it. No issues. I have to say though, I remember years ago when I, you know, first, not years and years ago, but when I first started off as a breakup coach, when I thought of the biggest thing that could happen, I thought of a concierge service. And I just think it's amazing that you guys started it and I didn't have, I guess the balls or something to do it and you guys are it. And you've gotten so much press. So I'm so curious how that happened. It's spreading like wildfire. So I, I want to hear that part of it. How does everyone know about this so quickly? Well, we have also been absolutely overwhelmed by the amount of attention this has gotten from literally all over the world. You know, we thought this was a great idea and we're just thrilled that other people have gravitated. And I think that there's just something very sort of unifying about breakups because unfortunately, say 99% of us have gone through, you know, one, if not a few or many. So there is just something that really brings folks together on this. But um, I think we really got lucky in terms of a couple of great articles, as you mentioned, spreading like wildfire. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think it's a universal uh, human experience. And we joke on our FAQs on our website that we don't offer retroactive services, but certainly wish that we could. And we wish we had been able to call a service like ours when we both independently went through our own breakups, both about two plus years ago. So in talking to folks in the first couple weeks of our business, we recognize that everyone either has been through this themselves or knows someone who's dealt with it and it stinks and it is hard. And wouldn't it be amazing if it could be easier? And so I do think that's something very relatable. Like you said, it's a universal fear. If someone hasn't experienced it, they fear that they eventually will. Most people have experienced heartbreak though. And I think what is interesting, because I've seen it as well, is one, the comment being, where were you before? I know you guys have gotten that. Also, just that it really seems to click with people. People get it. And I think that's like the success really is that, you know, people say that if you can't explain it to a five-year-old, you don't have it yet. And like all these things just make sense. Well, I also think, you know, we can go to subject matter experts in so many areas. You know, we can go to subject matter experts who help us work out at the gym or can help us manage our finances or for those of us who plan weddings can help us, you know, event plan our weddings, our funerals or all these things. And you have a breakup, which is so oftentimes coupled or with uncoupling your financial life, your real estate life, you know, obviously your housing situation, your social media, there's all of this other, you know, burden that's associated with. And we've just sort of like, as a culture said, nope, you got to deal with that on your own. And, you know, we at Onward, and I think very much sharing your spirit as well, think this shouldn't have to feel like a derailing life moment. We're so used to outsourcing to so many other, you know, components and so forth. Like, why not be able to call a neutral party to help you, you know, manage the logistics of this? So, you know, we're excited to be kind of on the market to offer that to folks. People are looking for someone neutral. As bonding as it can feel to commiserate with friends, what I find mm-hmm. is that when people are really desperate or ready for help, they want someone that they don't feel like is going to judge them or has already taken a side. They don't have any skin in the game in a sense because they feel like that's going to be the most clarifying person and moment for them. Yeah, I completely agree. I think there's something about not feeling like you have to burden your community as a well. Good friend, good friend a, colleague. a colleague. I mean, I can count many of my friends who've moved my mattress throughout New York City. Right. And I can also feel that, you know, 
one of the characteristics of New York City is that we're not all from here. And so we're, you know, in a city that, you know, we live in, but we're essentially still far from home. So, you know, our mom and dad aren't going to drive their, you know, pickup truck to come help us. So, you know, managing this on your own, having it be an empowering life moment for you, having it be, you know, a chance to really live a better version of your life thoughtfully and with integrity. I mean, we want to make sure that those tools are available to people in the form of a neutral concierge. Right. Another thing that's so big about it is that people stay too long because Mm -hmm. they feel like it's too insurmountable. They don't know how they would approach it. They don't know who to turn to. And I think that is where the biggest heartbreak comes from. There's real opportunities to remain kind of on a good, not even on good terms, but mentally on a good term with the relationship if you Mm -hmm. at the right time. And yet because of financial burdens and all that stay too long. So a service yours also can come at a really opportune time so someone doesn't end up resenting the relationship itself. I mean, a lot of people Mm -hmm. end up bearing the story of the breakup, really the positive moments because they stayed too long and now they resent the whole thing. And Mm -hmm. I think this takes care of that. Definitely. You know, you're right in that it's almost like you do have to plan a breakup in some ways, right? Sometimes it's thrown in your face and no one likes that, but I think I can speak to both of our experiences, literally Googling the phrase, how do you break up with someone? Or I guess, when do you know it's time to break up with someone? We all can sort of see things unraveling. And sometimes it takes a few months or six months to kind of really be ready to rip that bandaid off. And a lot of that piece is thinking about, okay, well, where am I going to live? How do I afford to, you know, move into that new place? How do I go about searching without telling my friends what's going on? How do I begin to tell my family? Oh my God, we're going to a wedding together next month or Christmas is coming up. And, you know, there's all these reasons to say, you know, we have a dog together, whatever that may look like. But at the end of the day, you know, it is a personal choice and people sort of have to evaluate all the factors that go into it. And that is not an easy thing to do. It's extremely emotional and I think as we just talked about, there's a lot of other factors that go into that outside of just the emotional piece as well. There is really this major logistical shift that has to take place. Yeah. And I would just certainly add, and I think you both raised really great points, is there's also a way that our society has stigmatized stigmatized breakups to, Mm -hmm. you know, for us to sort of admit in making the decision to move on that we've failed in some way. And, um, And that's really challenging. Like, you know, we can speak endlessly about how, you know, social media has so much performance happening there of success and what success looks like in terms of life milestones and kind of having to admit to yourself and your wider community that this didn't work out, you know, is really hard. And that manifests in a lot of different ways. And I think we find ourselves when we're in unhealthy relationships, making a lot of excuses for why we're staying, you know, Mm. Um, you know, as Mika mentioned, like their kids involved, you're sticking it out for them. Well, is that the best decision? You know, if your kids are seeing, you know, really unhappy, um, maybe unfaithful home together, you know, there's a lot at play there that maybe it's not great for the parents to kind of stick it out in that cohabitation or what have you. So, you know, everyone kind of has their own journey and wrestles with this in different ways. But, you know, what we're hoping to do and what, again, I think you're doing really eloquently is presenting a breakup in a way that can feel empowering. And maybe that will lessen that window of time where you're wrestling with yourself about this decision. Right. You know, if singleness wasn't so feared, 
And again, like you said, right. you know, it's like the stigma or like there really always is that comment. Oh my God. I mean, why would you be single? Like you're so attractive. You have so much going on or God, New York is so hard. It's like, wait a second. Why does anyone think that I haven't found anyone for myself or I don't want to date? It's always like this mm-hmm. catch as if something's wrong and let's get this fixed. And if we didn't see it as something that needs to be fixed or something to be rushed mm-hmm. out of, then breaking mm-hmm. up would be seen as like a really bold choice. I mean, I say that any fool can be in a relationship. It takes someone with a special kind of strength to be single. And if we could start mm-hmm. looking at even the process of breaking up is a strong person is doing this to leave mm-hmm. or to appreciate the relationship you had and still continue mm-hmm. forward. That's a strength. Absolutely. I mean, inertia is one thing, making an active, committed choice to your own happiness and your own betterment is really active and strong. So I yeah. completely agree with that. Yeah. So why do people see relationships ending as a failure? It's a big word that always gets brought up. I've never related to that. Did you guys really feel you had failed in relationships when they ended? Well, we have a sort of a bizarre story because my mother, who has unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago, was a divorce attorney for 33 years in a small section of Southwestern Ohio, which is where we're from. So I think we grew up with a different framework for this because, you know, kitchen table conversation was frequently about her divorce clients, many of whom were low income women, some, you know, who'd been in domestic abuse situations, you know, where there's significant trauma baked into their situation such that what my mother was doing was really being their advocate and acting as an ambassador to their new life. I think both Nika and I, again, we've been best friends since the fourth grade, like growing up talking to my mom and recognizing that divorce wasn't a taboo subject and that actually it was this opportunity to sort of pivot to a better situation, to get healthier, to get happier, to have a better situation for your children, like all of these things, maybe professionally as well. I do think we come at it from a different perspective in that sense. You know, as far as the larger question about a failure, I think you perfectly stated that there's so much fear of being single. And so that any diversion from that, Mm. um, is like, what's wrong with you? What have you done? Why are you not following our cultural script or cultural narrative of like what you're supposed to do, especially for women? You know, the narrative of the bachelor is very different than that of the old maid. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, and we have the whole fertility thing and all that Mm. sort of, you know, in this as well, which gets, you know, hairy. So we are really trained to think of these things as, and Hollywood contributes to that quite a lot as well. Like, you know, uh, what we see of breakups on television and the movies are, you know, crying to Adele music and eating Ben and Jerry's ice cream and montages of sadness and people trying to hit up the gym because they've like they're out of shape and they're you know it's it's not there's literally a tv show called revenge bod you know right with chloe kardashian are we talking about that you know has a little bit of experience in this uh, department as well but oh my god that you're automatically wanting to then sort of one up your ex (sighs) almost you know just what an unhealthy sort of goal i guess to aspire to but i would almost argue that breakups in some ways are almost more stigmatized than divorces because at least with divorce people understand what it is and there's sort of a legal course of action that follows it's very prescriptive whereas with a breakup and and we're looking at you know relationships where couples may have been cohabitating in most states it would be considered common law but you know 
seven, 10, 12 years living together? How should that be compared differently than one year of marriage? Because you simply find a piece of paper together. And when there's no sort of path for people to take with that, I think there is even more of that, wow, you guys couldn't make it work after this many years together. Like you must be really screwed up. And what did you do wrong? I think is constantly sort of a question that's being asked. And then as Lindsay mentioned, I think, you know, women are sort of taught to, well, how can I fix this? What could I have done differently to have made the relationship successful when, you know, maybe it is just, look, we just weren't each other's person and that's okay. Or we were each other's person for a period of time and we've evolved. By the way, that's dating. (laughs) This idea that everyone is going to be the one that walks us down the aisle. I think we forget that all the people are leading us there. They're the steps along the way. And the majority of people that come into our lives, even friends, are going to pass through our lives. You can't look at everything like that as a failure or a mistake. We treated relationships more like jobs than it would be great. Right. Well, how, this is leading me <laughs> to my ultimate you know, dream career. No, but that's such a big point because they talk about how, I mean, there's so many books out there right now and you applaud people that quote unquote, and they use this word, they failed in a career, they failed with a startup, but then they made it back. And everyone wants to hear that story, standing ovations for it. These are CEOs. But I'm like, why doesn't anyone look at it and have the same conversation around a relationship? Business is rewarded. And that means someone has been, you know, they're refining their skills, all of that, but it's not the same conversation yet. I think really that we are, I mean, not to like, I mean, maybe to celebrate us, I think that this is a moment in time, something is shifting and we're a part of that. And it would be incredible if suddenly the narrative really began changing around this, just like it has for people in business. I completely agree. I think I, you hit on it. I mean, let our pain, you know, refine us and not define us. Like all of these things are part of our narrative that we're constructing as a person of how, you know, how those interactions in the same way that I think it really would be much more helpful if they taught a class in personal finance in high school. Oh my God. Yes. Right. I mean, yes. It's a class in relationships. It's hard. And you know, what models do we have? if not, you know, reality television and, you know, potentially our parents and our extended community, but they're not telling you how it is to be in it. And I do think that, you know, these experiences can be really helpful and in ways that it's hard to process them and file them away as such when, you know, we have sort of bitter endings and so forth. But I think you're a huge proponent of, and we are too, is like, how can you look at this experience and take from it the grace, the integrity, the learnings, and take that into your new life as part of your story. And certainly, you know, with Onward, that's a big part of what we're trying to share with our our members. Like, hey, look, we're going to help you through this, and you're going to come out on the other side stronger, healthier, more resilient, and how great how great and exciting for you. And it just makes the future less daunting if this were to happen again. And I think that's really helpful. Like if someone goes through with you guys, with Onward, they know that they did that for themselves. They understand what it can look like now. And so I think things then become less scary and you become less fearful. And that's, that's the real positive. So I didn't realize that you guys knew each other this long. I thought you guys just made <laughs> friends that like, in New York. <laughs> no, not that you're old. Like you're just like, like true, <laughs> no, you're true friends. Some people want to get away from everyone that knew them early on because no one thinks they actually were their real selves. For me, I'm always someone that's so nostalgic over early friendships. 
So it's so cool that you share that and that you also share that piece about your mom, that you have a friend that you're working with that also knew your mom and was influenced by her as well. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, you know, we've been friends for so long that I like can't really think of my life. It's going to sound romantic, but you know, I can't really think of my pre-Nika life. But you know, we've definitely had different professional trajectories and um, lived in different cities. Lived in different cities, but I, you know, kudos to social media and all of the technologies that we're able to continue, you know, being so close now with, of course, the business and to sort of have you know, essentially a sister as your champion through all of this is so helpful who gets it, who knows you intrinsically and can act as your accountability partner. We were talking a lot about that kind of in thinking through, you know, your materials and thinking through um, this conversation of like how crucial that piece was, you know, having someone who's going to call you out and say, are you still talking to that guy? You know, where are you right now? in places that we didn't necessarily want to to be. Um, so that was really, really helpful for, for us. I don't know, Mika. That's certainly some advice we would give to anybody going through this is, I think with a lot of things, be kind to yourself that, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes a breakup, often a breakup will take a long time, like I had mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. And, you know, what Lindsay and I did, some of this may seem a little silly, and we sort of joke that we communicate more than most people who live together sort of, if we don't speak every hour, like that we're awake, that yeah. like, we might kind of wonder if the other person's alive. Right. And what uh-huh. we started doing, you know, thank you technology and, you know, thank you, the iPhone is we were sharing our geographic location. And while part of that was just us saying, you know, we're women living alone or, or you know, being out late at night in, in big cities, this is just a safety concern. But also if either of us was ever to sort of float back and, you know, mm-hmm. be in our old boyfriend's neighborhood or something, the other one would know about it and be able to say, <laughs> hey, I know you shouldn't have been there. And, you know, frankly, don't lie to me about what you're doing. Um, if we can't be honest with, you know, as you mentioned, our true, true friends about what we're really doing. If you feel bad about something you're doing, there's probably a reason you feel bad about it. You probably shouldn't be doing it. So an accountability buddy who's sort of making you stick to your gut, frankly. And I think Lindsay can maybe share a little bit about another way we sort of utilize friend groups to help through this transition. This is sort of goofy, but um, and possibly a little too personal. But when I was going through my breakup... There's no uh, such thing here, but go on. Okay. (laughs) So I'm very lucky, even though I'm from, well, with Mika, we're from a small town in Ohio, I, I've managed to, you know, form a really nice New York community here. A lot of, you know, what is that term? Franimly, like friend, friend, family, whatever. I can't really say it. But anyway, when I was going through my breakup, one of the things that I found tremendously useful is that group sort of formed a group text chain um, that we lovingly call the chain, the chain gang, the chain gang. And anytime I was sort of feeling, you know, down or you know, need some support, I could simply text the chain and someone from the chain of eight people would say, you can do this. You've got this. This is the right choice for you. It's going to be okay. Because I do think that, again, this, this is sort of a silly example, but I do think, you know, when you're leaving a relationship with someone you're so tied to and you talk to them, you know, on chat all day and you're living with them and all um, these things, your whole life is sort of like tethered in that way that like, 
it can be hard to sort of take that. Uh, it's a tremendous loss to just. Well, it's a tremendous loss, but there's something like in your that your brain of like wanting to connect with someone and not having that closeness anymore to be able to send a funny thing or you know kind of have the like back and forth repartee that having you know my close friends to sort of both police and encourage was like really useful, really useful. And also to keep me honest, as Mika said, because it can be tricky. Sometimes you're not acting in your own best interest. You're sort of falling back into unhealthy patterns. And it can be hard when you, you know, love someone for so long to remove yourself. I think too, in addition to, yeah, just this idea that you've been so tied to somebody. So there's going to be lots of memories and happy thoughts. There's also, you know, a lot of triggering moments and you think about a place like New York City, you're walking around, you pass by a restaurant. Oh, my God, we had our first big date there. You know, those memories don't go away. We're not all being lobotomized after relationships, although I'm sure some people some wish, people they, wish could they could be like that. eternal sunshine style. Yeah. But so when that happens, or when Facebook tells you that eight years ago, you were doing whatever with that person, thank you, Facebook, um, those moments can you know, I think no matter how much time has passed since that relationship, that can be incredibly triggering, it can be incredibly sad. And having, you know, in this case, the chain or even just a good friend that you can say, hey, I just saw this and I know it's silly and I shouldn't care anymore. But, you know, this really sucks today and this really just kind of got me down. Um, I think we need to allow ourselves to feel those emotions. We shouldn't be ashamed for still having some of those feelings because you should almost in some ways, you know, like we said, that person sort of regardless of how things ended, meant something to you at one point, and that's okay. And you can have moved on from that and be in another relationship and be happy, but you can still sort of have some of those feelings. I think we're all human. We shouldn't beat up ourselves for feeling that way. And I think there's also this idea that, you know, once you've moved on, you should just completely move on and there should be no sort of looking back. But, you know, how can we do that when our brains are meant to remember things? And that's part of what is so awesome about life and your experiences is that you get to have those memories. Oh, I love you guys for saying this. I really do because I think that sometimes other people's words or even things to be frank is like on the internet. And I, I kind of underestimated how much people like you guys brought up do Google how to get over someone or all these things. They do do it. I know that for a fact now. And a lot of things that do come up, they seem a little like negative to me. You know, I think it's kind of ways to beat a person out of you. So they no longer remain at all. So you literally put them in like a vacuum and and get rid of it. And it's strange. I think it's really dehumanizing. It's really the way to go onward or to break upward is to learn how to integrate someone into your life and use them, use love and heartbreak that is a part of love as wisdom. I think if you can turn it into wisdom, then you can still share that person and you can help someone else from what you know. And yeah, I, I just think it's really great that you guys are bringing up that it's a human thing to quote unquote, to move on. And people associate that with never thinking or feeling tender thoughts even towards someone, that if you still think of them in a tender way or have any nostalgia whatsoever, that you're not over it yet. Right. The litmus test, I think, is that to be able to see that eight years ago, you had a memory with this person and that it doesn't completely derail you anymore. You know that you (laughs) feel something. Nowadays, we're not giving ourselves a chance to even see how well we actually are doing because we're getting rid of things that would even trigger the memory. So I appreciate what you guys are saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, both of us feel 
you know, there are certain skills, mm-hmm. life lessons, tools that we took from our previous partners, you know, that it wasn't, it wasn't all bad. I mean, even in our cases where they both necessarily didn't end on great terms, um, you know, my ex-partner got me through my mother's passing, yeah. which was a tremendously derailing life moment. She had you know, terminal breast cancer and you know, I met the week that I learned that. Wow. It was a tremendously vulnerable moment as an only child navigating that. And he was able to support me emotionally in a way that like even my friends, by virtue of being farther away, not living with me, couldn't be there for me. And helping me through that time and helping me develop my own personal resilience in that time was enormous. And I'm forever grateful to him for that, for that work that he did. And I do think it's really important to also note, you know, both Nika and I are in very happy, healthy, committed relationships with new partners now. And I have learned so much about how to be a good partner to my current partner through that previous relationship. Also, what to look for that's a better match for me now and how to prioritize those needs and ask for those things in my relationship. You know, again, I don't want this story to be, you know, moving onward is being in a new relationship. I don't think that's necessarily what's for everyone or should be for everyone. When I was ready to do that, I was able to bring someone into my life who met those needs in the way that I needed them. So, and it's also allowed me to be a lot more practical about a lot of mm-hmm. the conversations that we had, like to be more intentional about moving in together, to, you know, manage my finances in a different manner. You know, I hate to use that word, but like to adult better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of those things, I'm so grateful for, you know, that previous relationship, for giving me that grief savvy. <laughs> Listen, it, it can go two ways. And I've experienced it when I was going through an eating disorder, someone too came into my life at that exact moment. And, you know, things like an illness, like a family member, like your mom getting sick at that time or seeing me and being sick, you know, it's like a lot of people could walk away really quickly from that. And be like, I just don't know how I would manage this. This is not the thing that I would sign up for if I was going to be falling in love with someone. It would be almost reckless not to recognize, even if bad things happen or whatever in the relationship to end it, that that was someone that chose to stay with you during that time. And I think that is how you end up going on and pulling from those attributes of someone that stood by you and saw you through things that a lot of people hide make sure that other people won't see them. And that's big. And I think it can teach us how to truly show up unconditionally before you have um, had a history with someone. Like you're building a history with someone in a very vulnerable moment that they don't even know what is, how they're going to look during that time. It's huge. But- yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I was just reading an article earlier about how couples who travel together to sort of far-flung places develop really great, you know, uh, yeah. resilience with one another and, and all that kind of stuff. And I think, obviously, that's a much more happy occasion that's been selected versus like, you know, dealing with a crippling illness, right. uh, you know, family member loss, all of those things. But you do learn a lot about yourself and your partner through what you're able to manage through. 
And, you know, we had to manage through quite a lot um, in a short amount of time, which was, you know, it was hard, but, but showing up for one another is huge. And I also think Mika and I, I don't know, got on this whole tangent because this is now what we talk about all the time is breakup. So we are, again, very <laughs> pro-relationship and actually very fun people. I would say that we, you know, we're interested in the difference between like love and respect. And we think that when we're, you know, told at a young age that like love is pain and love is hard and love is fleeting, but really, you know, the older we get, the more importance we put on the value of respect right? And respect incorporates love as well. But it's this idea of like showing up for one another and valuing what other people are saying and doing and pursuing in a partnership and how crucial that is. And a lot of that value of respect, I think, came out of that experience that I had. Mm-hmm. 100%. It's interesting because a client that I had just a few days ago, he was in this point of he had to make a decision whether to move in together. And as we were talking, you know, he acknowledged that he didn't respect her. He didn't respect the way that she was living her life and, and certain things that how she handled him. Red flag, of course. I think that having pride in the person you're with is a great measure of love. And I also think though it became the question of, well, why would you move in with someone if you don't respect them? And it's something that we could talk about is that people do end up moving together because it's convenient and financial. You know, I've read some articles that you guys got press on. And one part of it was that people don't want to live with roommates at a certain age, right? And it seems much more magical to go from roommates to living with a significant other. What a upgrade in terms of how other people see you and envy your life suddenly. But convenience and I guess the practical opponent of like, we get to split the rent that's kind of tricky territory. What do you guys think of that just in terms of, I'm sure a lot of people yeah. helping they yeah. together because it was also convenient. Yeah. I mean, there's this sort of sociological term like sliding, not deciding that, you know, people will cohabitate on lesser terms mm. than they would commit to someone long-term, right? Like the bar is a lot lower for them to be willing to live with someone than it would for them to commit to them long-term. And it's fascinating to see how this manifests in a lot of situations that we're, we're seeing. Obviously, cohabitation is a huge thing. <laughs> Mika and I were on the subway last night and recognizing you know, how clunky the, the New York subway system is. It's like, it can be challenging to do the you know, inner borough commute, dating, all of that kind of stuff that creates like a a strange barrier. But something that I was thinking about the other day, and I think people have talked about this a lot, is the idea of like cohabitation kind of having the same effects as like consumer lock lock-in. Um, mm. It's like, it's sort of like, <laughs> this is a terrible example. So I'll just couch it in that, which is like, you know, folks who buy into the Apple product ecosystem, right? You know, you have, let's say you have the iPhone and then you're like, well, you know, I already have like my iTunes on there and my photos. Why don't I get a, a MacBook that like goes with this, right? Mm-hmm. Like a MacBook, a computer, right? And I buy that and okay, now all my music syncs and all my favorites are kind of there. You know, why don't I just add in the like iPad too? That way, like all of this stuff works together. And we've just added more, no disrespect to Apple, of course, but we both have MacBook Airs for Liz. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have an iMac now that I'm using and I'm thinking, yeah, I've done this completely. Like I had an iMac. Sure. Yeah. 
Right. And maybe people are making more conscious decisions to, you know, select different electronics to work with in this way. But essentially, we've made it much more difficult to get out of that ecosystem. And that's sort of what happens with cohabitation, right? Like, over time, you start to think, well, we bought a couch together, or we have these tickets to go to a concert in six months, it would be really annoying if I had to like, pay for the hotel myself. I know these are, you know, really terse examples that are, are sort of making this seem like all, you know, sort of consumer driven, whatever. But it makes it to be, you know, a bigger emotional and financial lift to get yourself out of that. And that's why people find themselves, you know, three or four years into the cohabitation sort of skirting around this question of like, who are we now? Like, are we still on the same page? Is it just easier because we both have the same fresh direct? Again, I'm pointing to all these items that are very millennial focused, but I joke in the sense that it becomes very difficult, right? It becomes very difficult to get out of these patterns, to force yourself to have these tough conversations. Are we in the same place? What are our goals? Do we have goals? Like, you know, all of those things that are kind of coupled with this, it's really hard, you know? And, you know, moving sucks anyway. So if you had to move and sort of awkwardly break up with someone, or maybe you decide the relationship you think is sort of ending, and yet, but you're only sharing a one bedroom, and, you know, there's two months left on the lease, which we think, well, we might as well just stick this out. So one of us gets the couch for a month. I mean, these are real life examples that I think a lot of people struggle with. And Sometimes it's kind of just easier to power through and people don't even view it that way. It's just, you know, suddenly you look up, like Lizzie said, in three years has passed and you'd almost rather just keep going up three years than ask those hard questions. I'm certainly not faulting anyone here. These are things that, you know, we do. I mean, people get busy, you know, life goes on, you're busy working, you've got all these other things happening. You almost, it's almost like people don't have time to break up in some ways. Right. I think they're so tied together. Yes. It's never the right time for anyone to break up. It could always be a better time in someone's mind. I was just going to add sort of anecdotally when I was little and and my mom, again, the divorce attorney was fielding client phone calls. We joked around the house. This is a hard thing to joke about, but it's important to understand my family dynamic that my mom would always get the most client calls the day after Thanksgiving and the day after Christmas Yep. because of a couple things, right? It's all of this consolidated time together. Mm-hmm. It's this consolidated time where you're looking at the person who is presumably your family and you're saying, is this still working? And it's, you know, there are all these expectations associated with holidays in terms of gift giving and traditions. And you sort of start to really fixate on, you know, a lot of those emotions around the holidays. And, you know, there's this idea that, and I'm saying this, I am Jewish, but you wake up on Christmas morning and if the person who's there with you is not the person you want to be with, that, that's really eye-opening to you. I do think there are moments that we do have these, these awakenings and I think they come at times when we do have literal time with that other person where we're making those decisions together. Listen, my ex-boyfriend said, just please, just please don't break up with me during Christmas. Just please wait until after Christmas. It's a real thing. Right. It's a known thing. You don't want to ruffle those feathers. You don't want to have to explain to your grandma who you see once a year why that person who was at dinner last year isn't there this year. Or I think that people, you know, you can trick your mind to something. And a lot of people would 
rather be in something that they know is about to end than be in nothing at all during those times. So true. So true. They are very fixated on togetherness. And if you don't... I mean, Hallmark Channel like wouldn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Again, no disrespect to the Hallmark <laughs> Channel. But yeah, I mean, they're glamorizing the ideas of couples. And if you're not in one or you're in a situation that's not feeling great at that moment, that can be really hard to, to navigate. Mm-hmm. Totally. We launched on Valentine's Day here in New York, and we're primarily in New York for now, but looking at a couple other cities where we're seeing this housing tension, Mm -hmm. uh, a big population of millennials, folks who are like a transient population, folks who aren't necessarily from that city, but have found themselves there. Um, And, you know, we've been really working with members to manage that relocation piece first and foremost, to get them into like a safe dwelling and then start to, you know, simultaneously have some of these conversations about road mapping, pair them with a therapist if that seems like the right choice. You know, we just had a call actually about finding folks to help them rebuild their credit or build credit because that can be a big issue as far as like sort of establishing your financial independence there. But all of these services, uh, whether it's, you know, figuring out a gym in their neighborhood to go to if like fitness is something that will kind of take their mind off this transition. You know, we're big fans of like mindfulness as well. And, um, you know, various self-care things in that world, but sort of meeting them where they are and helping them develop a roadmap that starts with logistics. Obviously there's no magic formula and every breakup is going to be different, but in New York city, the big lift is that housing piece. Uh, the fact that in New York, the prices are just so huge. And I know that this has been a piece of yours is that like, you know, just how much money you have to have up front, you know? So I I know that you guys are connected with people that do short term options. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So we found a couple of solutions for that. that We're pretty happy with. We have a lot of fully flexible short-term living situations, whether those be co-living or corporate housing, places that folks can move into with very little upfront cost and have the flexibility that this might be a three-month situation, it could be a six-month situation, but there's less of a starter cost of having to like buy a bed and dresser and all of those things. We want to make sure we're finding them a place that's like convenient on the subway lines that doesn't, you know, involve them having a tremendous amount of upfront cost. So that's been sort of the first piece. And then obviously we have partners who are, you know, more traditional lease situations. We've also been looking at like, this is a trend that I would never expect to report. A lot of folks who are like choosing to buy after breakups, like buy real estate as like sort of a marker of their own independence, which I think is sort of cool. But I do think, you know, for me, getting in my own space and having it be my own space and setting it up my way and not having my home be a place full of compromise, being able to put the art up on the walls that I wanted and not the like, going to use a bad word, ours that (laughs) my previous, like all of these decisions that you've had in cohabitation that wouldn't necessarily have been your own choices can be really um, revitalizing in their own way, for sure. So that's really cool. And we want to make sure that the first piece is that that they're getting out, that they're not sleeping on an air mattress at their ex-home or the, you know, 
their friend's couch. Like that's not a way to like be a person, you know, we want to make sure we can offer that. Right. It's such a, a downward look. I mean, just to think that, and it's, listen, it's realistic. A lot of people that this is how it happens. You know, they end up right. on an air mattress, like you're saying, or things look really bleak. But I mean, listen, if people did have financial resources to do it, could you imagine if like part of the service was like ushering in flowers every week or like you find Airbnb uh, people that you can work with, that they make their place specific for people in breakups. They have aromatherapy. They have all these different products. Again, it's consumer in a sense, but everything's so experience-driven these days. Oh my God, this dog is like crying. <laughs> I think he's like for the idea. I think the dog is for this idea. He wants to be part of it. Well, he knows of dealing with his owner leaving and having anxiety. So I think he is dealing with the anxiety of a breakup right now. So maybe if I had some aromatherapy and like I said, some fine food that was in the fridge for him, all these things I think could make things really exciting and beautiful. Like, could you imagine offering all those elements? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have a couple of interesting partners in that space too. We have a plant partner we love, the sale who we love. Growing that urban jungle can be really a nice. Again, I appreciate that a lot of what we're saying is very consumerist and, and we don't want to go with the vibe of like, oh, you need to buy all these things in order to be happy post breakup. But there is some of that, right? It's, it's something in your home. I mean, to steal from Marie Kondo, who we love, if it sparks joy, for me, one thing I bought and then I very quickly bought it for Lindsay was I got one of those salt lamps and yes I have I don't them. know it just made me happy and I bought her the exact same one and you know I mean I, I I get that it has these healing properties and things my roommate joked after I had gotten out of my relationship that my room looked like a spa and I was thinking that's exactly what I was going for exactly. it was kind of soft light kind of girly really a little pretty but as Lindsay mentioned everything in that room was handpicked down to, you know, the comforter and the color of the bath mats. It was things that, to me, sparked joy and created a space that was, you know, comfortable and peaceful and tranquil. And I think that there's really a lot of importance there. And however somebody wants to go about sort of finding the Zen within their home is something that I believe you should do. And you shouldn't feel bad for wanting those things. And, and also, frankly, you shouldn't feel bad about spending money on those things either. That is part of the healing. And if you don't feel comfortable in the place you're sleeping every night, then yeah, that's sad. New York is a hard city, right? Like we're in cramped spaces all the time. We have zero to no privacy. Like many people work in offices where, you know, they don't have doors. Obviously that's like part of the, the vibe here, of course, but we are going through a hard time. And, you know, I used to think it'd be funny if we just all started a blog. Places in New York City, we have pride, right? Because there's, just, you know, everything is sort of marked by these experiences that you've unfortunately had to like sort of live externally. Mm -hmm. um, and having a nice place to come home to, even if it's just Virginia Woolf, a room of one's own, right? Like a, just a place to go and it feels like yours, you feel safe or you feel taken care of in your, you know, whatever that looks like for you. Um, not everyone is creating Mika Zen Palace and, you know, maybe uh -huh. Gothic is more your vibe and that's totally great. But a place that's set up for your needs is really crucial. And, you know, I just have to say that a lot of people don't feel very apologetic about setting up a bridal or wedding registry, right? You know, supply mm -hmm. my new home with my partner, with all these glasses, with all, they ask for everything, right? And in a sense, right. like a breakup, 
why would people start apologizing for that when they're on their own? Like they too wanted to put new things into their space. Again, it's right. interesting, like you can apologize for, oh, I might want to spend money or start thinking about painting my walls differently. And God, does that make me pathetic? But no one thinks they're pathetic if they're having a wedding and they're asking all their guests to fill up their home with beautiful things. Like, yeah. I and mean, we have a, that's so funny that you say that, you know, within Onward, we have what we call our Onward registry, but it's like checklist items for you where we've, you know, pre-negotiated best cost with some of our curated partners, whether that's kitchenware, you know, bathroomware, sheets, things like that. All, you know, we want to make sure that people have those nice things in their home. But <laughs> I had an early conversation with a woman and I have to say it was a woman during the beta iteration of Onward, where she told me, I was like, you cook a lot, like you should get like a nice cast iron or something skillet, like, so you have like something. She's like, oh, I don't want to buy any of that stuff because this next place is temporary. And I just like, I, I don't know, that just made me so depressed that we're told that we can't sort of invest in ourselves now in this because this is transitional. This is, you know, until we partner up again. Um, we can't have nice things. Exactly, exactly. And like, I appreciate, yes, we're millennials, we're in the experience generation, we don't feel like we should be tethered to things, I get that. But like, if you're someone who fries an omelet every day, and like, then makes a stir fry, you know, treat yourself and get that all clad. Don't wait for your special day, quote unquote, your wedding registry to have that all clad pan. There are other moments in your life where you work hard and you reward yourself with the things that are going to be durable, that spark joy, that like give nice, fulfilling moments in your day-to-day, whether that's, you know, a skillet or, you know, a really nice, like, nice, nice. Uh, something we both, we both independently bought. I mean, again, I'm not putting everyone into this domestic sphere of, like, you need to have the full, like, line at Williams-Sonoma to be a person, but, you know. I have none of that, so yeah. yes, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or, or Great Jones. We have to plug them. We love, we love Great Jones. But anyway, whatever it, it might be, you know, I get it. But stop making excuses for yourself why you don't get to like kind of live your next life until you're perfectly set up, until right. you're perfectly set up in your coupleness. But that's the only way for you to feel secure enough to like buy the things you want. It makes people frantically searching for new people that will replace when you go that way. Your life is constantly on hold. It's always if only or when then. These are the issues that people develop in life. Everything is when I get to this, I did it my entire life forever. It was when I get this degree, then my real life will start and I will be a certain way. When I lose all this weight, I will feel this way and I will begin to live like this. It never happened. And so if you keep on holding off until you get to this place, you will never even feel satisfied because you've built it up until be this thing that saves you. You have to begin saving yourself in the moment in order to come into a a satisfying life. It can't be based on one thing, then you'll finally start living. No, I agree. I mean, you're living your life right now, whether you like the terms of it or not, you know, like sort life is hard, life can be celebratory, but you're in it right now. And I appreciate, you know, a lot of the the components we're talking about are aspirational and they're part of a longer journey, but like the doing is the day to day. And um, I think the more people appreciate that, 
um, the more grateful they are going to be for those moments. I talk as a person who's, you know, lost both my parents. Right. I think I'm a lot more <laughs> aware of like how fleeting these experiences right. are and how important it is to like get rid of the negativity and like start championing your life for yourself. Um, you know, Mika has also experienced a lot of loss um, as a young person. And um, I do think the more that we can sort of internalize the, the idea that like, you are living those lives so make decisions off of this is my reality is really, really key. Mm. Thank you guys for sharing all of this. My final question is, what does it mean to you guys to break upward? What would that look like to you? hopefully to those listening, it's doing some of these things that we've been talking about, but it's not viewing the break up again as a failure, using this as a time to launch into, you know, maybe this is when you decide I'm going to go on that big trip that I've been putting off that I, you know, maybe was scared to go on alone, or maybe this is when I'm going to go back and get whatever certification or degree I wanted to just use this as an experience to go do something else that makes you happy. And to not be defined, you know, perhaps by that relationship. And I think what we talked about too is very important is not view this as, oh gosh, now I just have to go get into another relationship to be sort of seen as whole again, that a breakup, it, it will break up, not break down. But, you know, even if you just look at the literal terminology itself, up, upward, it's, it's you know, to me, that's a positive. And I, I almost wish we could just change that narrative and, and for people to view a breakup as something that's really brave and exciting actually. Yeah, I would just second the brave and exciting. You know, I love the movie Waiting for Exhale, but I don't want people lighting their ex's car on fire, or like damaging property. I want someone to leave a breakup with grace and integrity and strength and bravery as they move forward. And I didn't necessarily do that in my breakup. And I've grown a lot and learned from that. But I love the sentiment of the thank you next. Thank you. I'm grateful. Okay, onward, mm. upward. Yes. Break with grace. I love that. So where can my audience find you guys? Our website is move-onward.com. You can find us on social media at Onward Online. We'd love to help you out. Again, we're just in the New York City area for now, but looking at expansion in a couple other cities. But keep in touch. We'd love to help you or help someone you care about uh, manage this better. Right, because you guys do give gift cards, gift it for someone else. So that's a good thing to remember yeah. as well. I'm so yeah. excited that I got to not only meet you guys, but that you guys are the ones that are doing this. Kudos to you and for starting something big and necessary that really could change the way that people think and approach these moments forever. If this episode resonated with you, it would mean the absolute world if you could pass it on and let other people know about it. How you can support this podcast is really just sharing it, telling people about it. If you know someone that's hurting in their heart, tell them about Thank You Heartbreak. And if you want to be a guest on Thank You Heartbreak, reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Thank You Heartbreak, or you can email me directly at Chelsea. C-H-E-L-S-E-A at breakupward, B-R-E-A-K-U-P-W-A-R-D dot com.
And if you're interested in one-on-one coaching sessions, you can visit my website, breakupward.com slash shop, where you can check out directly from my site. It's a super, 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 super simple process. Of course, I will answer any of your questions before you book. And again, you can email me at chelsea at breakupward.com. There's many different coaching options. And I would love to show up for you as you begin to show up in more wise and clarifying and secure ways for yourself. Thanks for listening, everyone.